Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Two big events in campaign 2024 on the Republican side this week. The new Iowa poll showing former President Trump extending his lead. And on the opposite coast, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu endorsing Ambassador Nikki Haley for president. Both Ambassador Haley and Governor Sununu join me now. Good morning to you both. Uh, Ambassador Haley, how important is Governor Sununu's endorsement to you in the Granite State? It's big. You know, we've had a good couple of weeks. I mean, I think you can look at the fact that last week we had the most um, conservative, uh, largest conservative, freedom-loving grassroots group in the country endorse us with Americans for Prosperity. And this week we had the Live Free or Die governor endorse us. And so it's been a good couple of weeks. I mean, we're thrilled to have it. The people of New Hampshire love Chris Sununu. And we've had hundreds of people at all of our town halls. We've been all over the place. And we're going to continue to work it all the way until the end. Governor Sununu, why Nikki Haley? Um, Look, I've been able to spend time with all the candidates. I mean, and they're all good. Ron and Chris have done a good job. I'll give them credit. Uh, They spent some time in New Hampshire. But time and again, when I'm out on the trail uh, with them, when I'm with Nikki, it's not just the policies. Like, you know, the policies we agree on mostly, which is great. Um, it's the connection. It's the time that she's allowing folks to ask her questions. It's the, the, the fact that you can see she's putting that individual first. And the number one thing I hear all the time is, boy, you just trust her. You trust her with your gut because she's making those connections. And that's what you need, especially here in New Hampshire, right? We're the live for your die state. We don't want big government. We don't want your big government solutions. We want to know that as an individual, you're going to put me first, my kids my ability to, to manage what my kids want in school first, my ability to reinstill a free market in healthcare so those costs start crushing my family. You're going to put us first, not just big governments and systems. And, and it's, it's, as she said, it's not just a few hundred people. They literally turned a thousand people away at the door for her town hall last night. The energy is here. The momentum is here. Um, it's just, it's been, it's been awesome. And that's what Live Free, for us, that's what Live Free or Die is about. And that's why I think New Hampshire is such a great first filter for the country because it's not just about just the, the hard base on one side or the independents or this group or that group. Uh, Nikki appeals to everybody because even if you don't agree with everything, I, we had Democrats coming up and saying, wow, you know, I don't agree with many of these policies, but just as a person, that's who you want to see in the White House. We had hardcore uh, you know, conservatives coming up saying, holy cow, this is the conservative what this country has been waiting for. Yep, that's right. And Ambassador Haley, I, uh... I, I got to one more thing, Hugh. When you're at these town halls and you ask, Who's here for the first time? Everyone's raising their hand. It's a, I, I, it's a whole new energy. It's a whole new crowd. And that has been really exciting to see. I can confirm that. First town hall I ever went to uh, was Ambassador Haley. I drove down from Maine this past summer and saw all new people there. Ambassador Haley, Noah Rothman was my guest last hour, senior writer for National Review. I asked him, town hall style, to give me a question for you. Let's play what Noah Rothman asks you from National Review. Convincingly, has demonstrated convincingly as governor that I would ask them, um, if Nikki Haley is a conservative, why, why is she a conservative? Why does she believe in conservative values? Why does she believe conservative governance is, uh, the, is in a, a valuable and superior method of social organization to progressive governance, to democratic governance? I want her to make an appeal to me as a conservative for why her administration would get done what we want to see done, why the institutions need to be reformed. How would she reform the institutions? The knock on her from the DeSantis camp and others is that she's a mere caretaker. Ambassador Haley, your response. 
Look, I mean, Ron can say all that he wants about me. It doesn't make it true. He's trying to say I'm establishment. Let's look at my record. I defeated the longest serving legislator in a primary when I first got into politics. I took on Republicans and Democrats as a lowly state senator to get them to have to show their votes on the record because they were hiding them. I was demoted off of all my committees, lost my seniority, and so I ended up running for a for governor. I was the Tea Party candidate again in five-way race because I wanted to make sure we brought transparency, conservatism, and freedom back to the people of South Carolina. Look at how I governed in South Carolina. I made all spending transparent. I cut taxes for small businesses. I cut taxes for veterans. I made sure that we brought in tort reform. We fought off the unions. Everything that I did, we did voter ID, the toughest illegal immigration law in the country. And then you look at my time at the U.N. I cut a billion dollars right off the top the very first year. I believe government was intended to secure the rights and freedoms of the people. It was never meant to be all things to all people. And I don't want to just campaign in the live free or die state. I want to make this a live free or die country. Let's get back to economic freedom. Let's get back to individual liberty. Let's get back to America that's strong and proud. And let's do it with transparency. Let's do it by putting more money in people's pockets. And look, the very first thing I did, Hugh, when I became governor, was I said, I'm going to control what I can control. I replaced the head of every agency, whether they were doing a good job or not, because I wanted to freshen it up. Then I sent people into every agency to clean it up, pull down bureaucracy, get rid of any red tape, get rid of problem children. In some cases, we tweaked agencies. In other cases, we gutted agencies. And then I turned around and got those agencies mission-focused and reminded them they weren't supposed to be all things to all people. And I gave them 90-day benchmarks that they have to, had to start doing to show the taxpayers a return on their investment. And then I saw that they were spending because they were worried they weren't going to get the same amount of money the next year. So I put all of their spending online for every taxpayer to see. And then I incentivized them to start giving money back to the taxpayers. And magic happened. And all of a sudden, those agencies started to compete. Look at my record. Just because someone says something, that's what's happened in America for so long. Politicians will tell you something, and they think if they say it enough that you'll believe it. Don't listen to words. Look at my actions. I have fought for freedom my entire life. I've fought for this country my entire life. And it's because I grew up in a small business. I saw how hard it was to make a dollar and how easy it was for government to take it. I'm the wife of a combat veteran. I know what military families go through, and I know the importance of preventing war. I'm a mom, and I don't want my kids to continue to live like this because the debt that we have is out of control, and they'll never forgive us for that. So I know that I'm a conservative, but my actions prove I'm a conservative. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Governor Sununu, can Ambassador Haley win outright? And if she doesn't, is the race over? Uh, first, absolutely. did you just hear? I mean, who doesn't want to vote for that? And I'm dead serious. That, that's awesome. Yes, of course she can win outright. Everything is still moving uh, in these early states. In the next six weeks, you know, the whole election, if folks remember, the whole election was delayed about six months. And typically people won't make, make up their mind until after Thanksgiving. I think there's a lot of folks that are going to be talking about this over Christmas and after New Year's. So the numbers are going to really, really move uh, in the next few weeks as we lead into the January 23rd. Um, I'll tell you what, the only person that has to win New Hampshire to, to be vile is actually Donald Trump. I mean, if Trump loses in New Hampshire after being up by all this amount, he's toast, right? People will see that, that you know, the emperor has no clothes, so to say. But Nikki's going to win this state. She, that's that's going to be the, I, I, I won't say a shocker, because I think you're going to see the numbers really move in the final week. You're already seeing with Trump's comments, he's getting nervous. He's realizing that not just endorsements, but there's a ground game here that uh, that she and the uh, that is putting together with the endorsement of AFP. Everyone's getting on board. The volunteers are coming out. That ground game uh, that she'll have here more than any other candidate, far more than, than Trump or anybody else, is going to make a huge impact in the coming weeks. I want to ask you both this question. I'll start with you, Governor Sununu, and I'll ask you, Ambassador Haley. Should Governor Christie drop out now? Well, look, Chris, Chris will make that decision at, at some point. You know, that's that's for him and his campaign. Um, but it, it's not. Again, I don't think. He, and I don't. Want, I would never speak for Ambassador Haley, but I don't think either of us are worried about Chris or Ron. They'll, they'll, they're, they're smart people. They'll, they'll make the decisions when the time is right. The, the momentum is is building here. And we just want everyone to hear the message to understand the trust that is coming with a future president and the opportunity. Aren't we all tired, Hugh? Isn't everyone just tired of the exhaustion and the drama and all that? Well, we, the people, have all the power in the world to move on, to start healing this this party, bringing the party back together again, healing the country, getting people working. Again, we might disagree, but that's okay. Uh, But working in a more optimistic, energetic way and putting this entire country back on top. If this country isn't back on top, world security is at risk. And that's why we have a former ambassador of the United Nations who understands all these international issues at such a detailed level. All these pieces come together with uh, with Nikki Haley. I'm going to turn to a couple of those national security issues in a second. Ambassador Haley, should Governor Christie drop out on Monday? He told me 100 percent he's staying in through New Hampshire. It is a very personal decision and sacrifice to decide to get into this race. It's a very personal decision um, and a heavy weight to get out of this race. I would never tell anyone to get out of the race. I think that is up to them. I think it's up to the voters to tell them. I think it's up to their donors to tell them. I think it's up to anybody else to have that conversation, but I will never tell a candidate to get out of a race. All right, cut number eight. This is Ron DeSantis last night with my uh, pal Sean Hannity on The Hannity Show. Cut number eight. Well, Sean, I, I, uh, I don't think we've spoken um, uh, since that debate. And the reaction that I've gotten has been incredible in terms of obviously being able to show that freedom works and the California models of failure, what that means for the country. But people pr- appreciated the way you set it up. And they said it was the most substantive debate that they've seen uh, in this entire election cycle. And so kudos to you for doing it. I know you he had challenged me and and you asked me to do it. So I'm glad we were able to get that done. Uh, and just know if you want to do other debates, uh, Nikki Haley and me, I'm in Donald Trump and me, I'm in. So just say the word uh, you've shown that you can do it in a way that I think really helps the voters. So uh, I'm game. Just let me know. Uh, how, do you, how do you respond to Ambassador Haley? By the way, same invite for this show. We're the morning show, and, and Sean's the evening show. Are you willing to go anywhere and debate Governor DeSantis with anyone? 
Well, I mean, look, I've debated him four times already. That's not the issue. You know, I mean, in all honesty, Ron is in the rearview mirror. Trump's in the windshield. That's who I want to debate. I want Trump on that stage. That's where my focus is. But we're going to have more debates. I mean, that's not the issue. It's deciding which ones we're going to do. We're down in that final countdown, and we've got to touch every hand and answer every question and make sure every voter has seen us. I enjoy debates. We're good at them. They've helped us in our campaign. So we're going to continue to do more. But which ones we decide to do, I want Trump on that stage. I mean, he could miss all these other debates, you, and get away with it. But you can't go to Iowa and you can't go to New Hampshire and be so arrogant to think you're going to get those votes without getting on the debate stage in the state where the election is happening. You just can't do it. People deserve to see a contrast. They deserve to see what their options are. And we want to get Trump on that stage. Do you have you had any indication that the former president will do any debates with you? I don't know what the what they're talking about with other people. I mean, look, that's for him to answer. That's not for me to answer. But I think he needs to get up there. I think the American people want him to get up there. But I know for a fact, you know, the Hawkeye State and the Granite State, they definitely want him to get up there. Now, uh, Madam Ambassador, I want to talk to you about national security for a moment. Yesterday, uh, the State Department put an embargo on 27,000 rifles that were supposed to go to Israel for the Israeli police, saying they could end up in the hands of West Bank extremists. Two days ago, President Biden accused Israel of indiscriminate bombing. What is going on inside the Biden administration vis-a-vis our ally Israel in its war with Hamas? I mean, the Biden administration is acting like the United Nations. I mean, they all run to Israel when she gets hit, and then they go and they criticize her when she hits back. I mean, it is either you support a friend or you don't. You don't support a friend with conditions. You don't support a friend and tell them what to do. That's not being a friend. What you had was the worst event that has happened since the Holocaust. And the idea that they beheaded those people and burned those babies alive and raped those girls and dragged their naked bodies through the streets of Gaza, saying death to Israel, death to America. Why Biden doesn't see this as personal? 33 Americans were butchered on that day. We have American hostages, and you're going to go and sit there and give cover to the terrorists? What happened to America? At what point do we not help our best friend who was brought to her knees fight to get rid of the evil that's in this world? Because guess what? That evil is coming to us next. Israel's always been the tip of the spear when it comes to defeating terrorism. It's never been that Israel needs America. It has always been that America needs Israel. And it's a shame because Biden has gotten it wrong with Afghanistan. He's gotten it wrong with Ukraine. He's now getting it wrong with Israel. And that is the reason the world is on fire. And the one worry I have when people say what keeps me up at night, it's what happens between now and Election Day. Uh, Governor Sununu, you are an alum of MIT, as is your brother and your father, I believe. What do the Sununus think about the MIT president's performance last week with Elise Stefanik and the rest of the members of that committee? She's got to quit immediately. It's embarrassing. It's, it's absolutely embarrassing. And, and I look, I think what Elise did was, was spot on because it wasn't cruel. She was just trying to ask a simple question with a, a very simple answer. And whether you're President Gay over at, at Harvard or the president of MIT. Um, and, and by the way, these aren't just these three. There are presidents of universities all over this country that would have answered those questions wrongly the same way, that uh, basically are trying to protect those who want to incite violence, incite hatred um, uh, against uh, you know, Jewish, Jewish kids, Jewish students, not protect them. 
Um, I mean, it's pure anti-Semitism. These folks aren't calling for – this isn't some regional dispute here, Hugh. These folks are calling for wiping out every Jew on the planet. And you have students, uh, you know, supporting that. You know, and by the way, a ceasefire is not peace. These kids stand up and say, well, let's just have a ceasefire. A ceasefire allows – does one thing. It just allows Hamas to regroup. Do you think they're going to go back into into their tunnels and say, gee, I guess we should give up? No, no. It's just allowing them to regroup and put the bigger threat on Israel and the United States. So Ambassador Haley, I, I asked. Presidents of universities, they all got to go. It's embarrassing. MIT is embarrassing. Uh, the students, the parents of those students should be embarrassed. And just to say it is one thing, folks, I think folks are going to start, uh, so, so to say, voting with their feet, right? These are Ivy Leagues, but there's more and more students that are saying maybe there's other options out there. Maybe this elitism of the Ivy Leagues, while they try to stand on the shoulders, tell the rest of the world how to live their lives, support this kind of hatred, so stand on the shoulders of the Americans that built this country. Right. That's exactly what's happening. That's the elitism that folks are so frustrated with across this country. Um, that's that's got to end. And, uh, and and I hope there's some accountability and the boards just kick them out. Uh, it's not going to happen at Harvard. My alma mater, uh, Ambassador Haley, Penny Pritzker, the former Obama secretary of the Commerce Department, is the chairman of the Harvard Corporation. They've made clear they're standing by President Gay. If you are president of the United States, will you sign a version of the Solemn Amendment that cuts off funding for universities that do not punish immediately anti-Semitic behavior that threatens Jewish students? Absolutely. I mean, we need to get rid of their tax-exempt status if they are not going to protect students. If this had been the KKK, everybody would be up at arms. This is just as awful. Not only that, I'll take it a step further. Biden was wrong not to include anti-Zionism in the description of anti, in the definition of anti-Semitism. Anyone who thinks that Israel doesn't have a right to exist, anyone that thinks that the genocide of Jews is okay, that's anti-Semitic. And so we've got to start hitting these universities. They used to be the pinnacle of what it meant to be a good, responsible citizen. What happened at that hearing was embarrassing. And if we don't show some real accountability, this will continue. We've got to put an end to it. I want to close by talking about Portsmouth Naval Base. I asked about the Navy in our debate, Ambassador Haley, but I'll start with Governor Sununu. Has any expansion money flowed to the Portsmouth Naval Station where we repair our Los Angeles attack submarines in the massive amount of money that Joe Biden's spent? Did they do anything to repair and upgrade and expand that facility? No, look, we're, I, I, the, with the way Joe Biden and this administration treats the military, we're grateful that they haven't shut, shut the thing down yet because it is such a, a vital piece to our to our military infrastructure and being able to repair, uh, you know, naval subs. But no, I mean, it, there's a huge opportunity here. Uh, the ambassadors talked about this a lot in terms of where our military is compared to the very growing and threatening military of China, where they're making investments. Uh, our, our <laughs> this administration uh, treats the military as an afterthought, without realizing that again. You know, through the strength of America's military comes world peace. Through the strength of America's military comes resolve that the rest of our allies can count on and our enemies will fear. But, no, we haven't seen anything uh, of any significance here. Ambassador Haley, if you are the president, what will you do vis-a-vis the Navy and in particular our underwater forces? Because the next conflict with China is going to be primarily fought in cyber and in underwater domains. And we haven't got facilities to even repair the uh, submarines we have, much less build new ones. 
Well, it's like I told you before. The first thing is you got to clean the Department of Defense. We've got to pull out all the bureaucracy and red tape. We've got to get them mission focused. They've got to stop doing things like gender pronoun classes and all these other missions that have nothing to do with protecting American soldiers and making sure that threats abroad know that we're strong and we're ready for any threat that comes our way. That hasn't happened. You know, when it comes to the subs, America's always been strong, but China's moving at a fast pace. And we've got to start looking at the future, not the past. We've got generals right now that want to look back at old wars. And the new threats that are facing us are cyber, artificial intelligence, and space. They're hypersonic missiles. We're, we've barely gotten started on that. We've got to make sure our submarines, our ships, everything is modernized. Our equipment. I mean, our military just got the first modernized, you know, machine gun in decades. Like, how does that happen? We have to start making sure that we're modernizing that agency. And so, but you can't do anything without cleaning it up. And then the second thing is getting it mission focused on what we need to replace, what we need to build up, and how we need to make sure that we're going to be strong and quickly. Now, Madam Ambassador, last question is the one that got cut from the NBC Salem debate. It was going to go to me, but we ran out of time. And that happens. It wasn't uh, any kind of a uh, conspiracy. We just ran out of time. We have a military recruitment crisis. The Army, the Navy and the Air Force all missed their totals by a lot. Marine Corps made their Space Force made theirs, But the other big three did not make their. You have the husband on active duty. And so you were going to get the question first. And I regret that we ran out of time. Why is the United States having this military recruitment crisis and how do we fix it? Fascinating. We our recruitment is down 25 percent. And the reason is and this is this is shocking. Eighty percent of our new recruits that come into the military come from military families. And for the first time, we are seeing military parents and grandparents tell their kids, don't do it. Think how appalling that is. Why are they telling them, don't do it? Because they don't believe that America will have the military's back. They don't like the fact that they're doing gender pronoun classes, that they're doing all of these other things. And more than that, Hugh, look at how we treat our veterans. That's the number one thing. You look at how we treat our veterans and the fact that we have over 33,000 veterans that are homeless. One in three suffering from PTSD and thoughts of suicide. We lose 22 heroes a day to suicide. If a veteran needs a doctor's appointment, on average, it takes 29 days. Why? Because on the 30th day, they can go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. So midway through the 29 days, they get a call to reschedule. And the clock starts all over again. When I become president, we will be proud of our military, but we won't say it with words. We'll do it with actions. We will focus on their transition so that it's longer than two weeks when they come stateside and make sure we watch out for them for the rest of their life. We will make sure we have telehealth so they can have the mental health care they need right when they need it. And they should be able to go to the doctor or hospital of their choice. And quite honestly, I think the way we take care of veterans is I think every member of Congress should have to get their health care from the VA. And you watch how all of a sudden that gets turned around. We have got to take care of those who are willing to sacrifice for us. If we don't, God help us. I mean, Governor Sununu, there are a lot of veterans in New Hampshire. I saw them at every town hall I went to. Uh, are they going to support Nikki Haley? Oh, without a doubt. Look, I mean, she's gotten the, one of her first early endorsers was General Don Bolduc. And while General Bolduc and I might have, ha- have had disagreements on, on things in the past, he's just he, he's a recognized 
as a leader in the military, especially here in New Hampshire. And he works with the, with, her, with uh, doing everything he can from the VFWs to the VA to our new state, um, you know, veteran support programs, or issues around mental health, the opioid crisis. These are the things that these folks come back with, and they're not supported by this government. They don't have the resources to have that secondary support. And, and Ambassador Haley talks about it all the time. You know, when you sign up, you're a soldier for life. And that's a responsibility we take on. We have to protect them and provide services for them because they've earned it. They've risked their lives and earned the right to not be homeless. I mean, the fact that we even have to talk about a homeless veteran or, or uh, a veteran that goes without mental um, uh, mental health uh, services, it, it's just it's appalling. It, it, but it can be fixed. And what? who better to have in the White House right, than the, the wife of a service member who's out there standing a post, a military family who is getting it and living it day to day, uh, I mean, I think you're going to see an overwhelming number of veterans across New Hampshire uh, really look at this race in the next couple couple weeks, come over for Nikki Haley and, and bring bring home a huge win on January 23rd. Governor Kristen Inu, thank you. Ambassador Haley, what's your website? NikkiHaley.com. Join us. We're getting the momentum. We're going to win the fight, and we look forward to make, getting America back in, on track again. Thank you, Madam Ambassador. Thank you, Governor Sununu. Always good to talk to you both. Thank you for joining me on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.